Alrighty. Psalm 107, starting at verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people, and praise him in the assembly of the elders. And now ahead to Luke chapter 8. And we're reading the first 21 verses. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, It withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, He said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, 
The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Discipline in a way that 
crushes a child as, and, and is in fact, I guess, an expression of their own sinfulness. That's one side of the horse that a parent can fall off. Uh, the other is to err on the side of loving. Now, you might wonder how that can actually be wrong. But if a person just tries to please their child because they want them to love them and have a good relationship with them, if they're afraid of disciplining them because they want their child to like them, well, it almost always backfires. Uh, to love a child well, it must include appropriate discipline. It's actually unloving for a child not to learn right and wrong from a loving and gracious parent. But as I was uh, preparing this passage for today, um, it reminded me that it's also possible to fall off both sides of the Christian horse uh, as well. Knowing God's salvation and living the Christian life is expressed in both faith and obedience. Uh, and it, as our passage today puts it or expresses it, and uh, both hearing and doing the Word of God. It's not one or the other, but it's both. When I was a young Christian, I knew that I was saved by putting my faith, my trust in Jesus and all that he had done for me. But I also knew that being a follower of Jesus meant obeying his good word. My problem was that my ongoing struggles with sin made me feel as though my faith may not be genuine. I felt my lack of obedience actually called into question my whole salvation. I was fearful that I might not be accepted into God's kingdom. If I died, I might not be accepted into heaven. But I've known people who have had the opposite problem to me. Uh, they know the Bible teaches that we are saved only by faith, uh, that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, and that's completely true. It's exactly what the Bible teaches. But I've sometimes met people who are not concerned about sin in their lives because they trust Jesus and he died for their sins. And they feel no need for obedience to God or even to live, especially for Jesus. They've got their get-out-of-jail-free card, if you like. They see salvation as a, a free pass that doesn't necessarily require anything of them. Both have fallen, you might say, on a different side of the Christian horse, um, so to speak. The problem is that both ways of thinking are focused on self, not focused on Jesus. One thinks their behaviour is what saves them, and the other thinks that their faith trusting in their faith, not trusting in Jesus, their Saviour. The problem is that both have taken their eyes off God himself and the great salvation that comes only through the Lord Jesus. God's great salvation, uh, I think, is the overarching theme of this whole two chapters, the chapter 7 and 8 of uh, Luke's Gospel. And just as chapter 7 opened up with a group of miracles that demonstrate and prove that that's what it's about, the great salvation of Jesus, so is chapter 8 with a group of miracles that actually do the same thing. And then in both chapters, Luke focuses on our response to this Jesus that God has sent into the world and the salvation that Jesus brings. And today I'm going to finish with the response part of what Luke has to say, uh, which is in the first half of chapter 8, which we've just read. I'm actually going to start in the second part, the second half of chapter 8, where both fear and faith accompany the miracles Verse 22 of chapter 8. One day, Jesus 